Oh, we have one minute. That's where we are. We're at one minute. I turned my phone, I turned the sound off. So you'll not hear the wonderful sounds of uh, Indiana Jones on my phone. <clears throat> All righty. Well, it's time to get started. And uh, we have some people that are under the weather and some that are traveling and some that are in Florida and gathered all around, some are under the weather, so, uh, but we're here and we're going to welcome those that are watching on the live stream, welcome to our Bible study this morning here at Trinity Assembly, and we are going book by book through the Word of God and looking at prayer principles that we can find, and we're going to pick up another one today. Let's have a word of prayer and get started this morning. Heavenly Father, once again, we praise you for the time that we can gather together. We praise you likewise, Father, for those that are watching on the live stream, right in their homes, that, Father, you would minister to them through the word. We pray, Father, that your word would come alive to us today yes. and guide us and direct us and convict us and challenge us and speak to our hearts. We ask, Father, your touch upon our time together today. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The uh, <clears throat> we're turning to Second Timothy. Second Timothy. And last week we looked at Timothy, and so we're not going to go back over uh, all the factors about Timothy. And I want to warn you: uh, this class is yours today. Okay. Uh, and I'll explain that in a moment. But if you don't talk, we're just going to sit here. Okay, so so need you to be thinking. Need to be ready. 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning with verse number 1. 2 Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy our beloved Son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers day and night. Oh, excuse me, night and day. Well, I, day and night, night and day. Remember, anybody remember that old song? Neither do no. Yeah. Okay. Never. Sorry, I got confused. Okay. In my prayers, night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, last week we looked at uh, Timothy uh, as the person, and we found that he is a young pastor uh, we know that because Paul said, don't let anybody mess with you because you're young. 
Don't let them despise your youth and uh, act like you don't know what you're doing. Timothy was a disciple of Paul. He considered him to be his spiritual son. We believe him to have been saved under Paul's ministry in Lystra. And now he's the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Great church. And he needs some help. He needs some guidance and direction. He didn't have the privilege of going to a school or studying. He's learning on the, on the road, so to speak. And Paul is sending him these pastoral letters to guide him in how to be a pastor. It's, uh, it's one of those things where you can go to school and seminary and, and those kind of things and Bible college, but practical applications are very important. I wish, uh, you know, I've gone to seminary. I have uh, some degrees from different places. But the hands-on guidance that I've received over the years from people like former District Superintendent Arthur Parsons and, and uh, Dan Crouch, who may be watching right now from out in Arizona, and some dear friends that have guided me in being a pastor. Because just classwork and book learning is not going to cut it. That's right. uh, you can read all the books you want to read, but there's only one that really matters, and that's the Word of God. But we need some counsel, we need some guidance and direction from those who have walked in that position. Uh, sometimes we pastors will get together and kid around. I was kidding with a pastor just last week, and we were talking about a difficult situation we were both embroiled in, and uh, I mentioned, I says, uh, I was absent the day they covered this type of problem at seminary. And he says, yeah, I, did, I didn't catch it either. Uh, you don't learn all that stuff in seminary. You'll learn some things, but uh, there's some practical things. And that's what the pastoral letters uh, are here about from the Holy Spirit through Paul ministering to young Timothy He's pastoring a huge church. There are lots of believers in Ephesus, and he needs some help. It appears, in the, from what we just read, that he's got some tears going on. Some uh, situations bring tears to the eyes of pastors. Can you imagine what are some of the things that might bring tears to the eyes of pastors watching over their church. What should bring tears to the eyes of pastors? When people fall away. When people fall away. When people who know better yeah. fall away. Yeah. Uh, it, it brings tears to the eyes. What are some other things that might bring tears to the eyes of a young pastor? When the congregation is not getting along. When there's fussing and feuding among the people and uh, they're, they're called Christians, they're just not acting like it. Yes. You know, uh, it's, it's always frustrating. It'll bring tears to your eyes. This isn't what we signed up for. We wanted to lead the faithful. 
I remember one time when, when I was uh, just pioneering a church in Oxford, Ohio, and I was just fresh out of being a Methodist pastor, and they threw me in there to start a church in Oxford, Ohio, and I had a couple families that had been raised Assembly of God that started attending. And of all the people I had trouble with, I, I, thought, I thought those Assembly of God people were godly. But boy, they liked to fuss and feud and fight and pick and all kinds of stuff. And I had to I had to call the district in on a couple of them, but uh, it, uh, it brings tears to your eyes. What are some other things that might bring tears to the eyes of a young pastor like Timothy? Good and faithful servant passes away. Okay, when, when your, your bedrock people, uh, a good saint of God that's a part of your church, dies or moves or, you know, whatever, uh, that can break your heart. Uh, it's always funerals are always uh, times where tears come to my eyes because uh, I'm not <clears throat> sad for that person going on to be with the Lord but I'm sad we don't have them here now yes. and uh, there's an empty spot uh, years ago I had one of the one of the dear ladies of the church here that passed away, and she was just a great prayer warrior. And uh, as I'm getting ready to share the, the message, the Holy Spirit just spoke, says, you need to recruit some to take her place. She was covering you and the church every day in prayer. And there's no umbrella protection there. It can cause you to... What are some other things that might cause a young pastor like Timothy to be in tears? Yeah. Well, I think when the, his flock is hurting like they're either lost someone or they're, they're financially needing help, there's just a problem there. That you don't, sometimes you don't know what to do, of course, but turn to God. Yeah, when, when uh, your flock, when the, the church is experiencing all kinds of problems and issues from the outside or there's loss of life or there's there's uh, broken homes and broken families and relationships and all kinds of things also uh, Paul when he was talking about uh, all the stuff he went through you know, he was beaten and shipwrecked and left for dead and stoned and everything. And above all this, the care of the churches. Just watching over the flock can bring you to tears sometimes. Uh, when, you, when you think of what's going on in people's lives and, and circumstances that are, that, are, that are at work, it uh, can bring tears. And also, when you see the enemy attack and hurt people... It brings tears to your eyes. Yes, it does. Uh, yesterday, I, I, I've been struggling for, since Saturday uh, with what's happening in Israel. Yes. Amen. With uh, the reports and the, the atrocities. Uh, uh, the Hamas going in, and I'm sorry, if you want to defend the Hamas, 
we ought not talk right now because I might not be very kind. But when you behead 40 babies, 40 children in one kibbutz, one community, 40, even one says you're from the pits of hell. And rejoice about it and parade the corpses. You're getting me fired I was, I was I was in tears. I was in tears watching and listening to the reports the other day. I remember years ago, uh, you remember when the Persian Gulf War started and they started shelling uh, Jerusalem. The uh, they started shelling Jerusalem. I was in my office. It was before a Wednesday night service, and me and the board are, are in there uh, listening to the what's going on, and we all just started weeping. Mm-hmm. Just started weeping uh, because it's it's part of our heart. And I'm wearing the yarmulke today to remind me continually be in prayer for the peace of Jerusalem and to to pray for the Israeli people and and innocent lives that are being lost. So it's, there's a wide variety of things that could bring young Timothy to tears. Can you think of anything else? What might bring a young pastor to tears? Fear. Fear. He can see what's going on and, well, are we going to make it? Because you remember in Ephesus, there was an uprising. They, it was full of, of idol worshipers, uh, great as Diana, and you know, uh, they they stormed the gates and were dragging people out of the city, Christians. Uh, so you never know what's going to happen in some of those situations. That's what I went to say. She said already, say, fear, fear can cheer and going insults. Uh, some people are uh, like, if I go out, I, some people just say to me, I, I don't believe in God. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe in Jesus. So that just makes you feel like, what? Yeah, it can bring you to tears, just like Timothy. I think another aspect from the context, and that's always the important thing, anytime we study scripture, the context can help us get a feel of what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, That's, you know, if you didn't pick up one of those uh, study guides I made, uh, I preached Sunday about the, the compromise of the the godly lineage of Seth and the evil lineage of Cain and how their compromise resulted in giants in the land and and giants without a God consciousness. And uh, uh, some people were taught, some, I, I was taught, and, and at age 12, I, I came home from Sunday school. My Sunday school teacher says, yes, uh, uh, in Genesis 6, uh, angels came down and had relation, sexual relationships and giants were born. I said, I said, 
excuse me. Uh, I'm 12 years old. It didn't make any sense to me. I said, that, that doesn't sound right. That do, just doesn't sound right. How could they be called sons of God if they're doing works of the devil? Right? 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 They wouldn't be sons of God anymore now, would they? Um, and so I went home and talked to my mother. And my mother says, oh, no, I can't. And she took me through what I'm taking you through right here. That was from 1962. My mother sitting down with little Kenny, who I praise God. God gave me a, a witness that I wasn't right. And we went straight back to the context of the events to discover the true meaning. The context here, right after he talks about his tears, he wants Timothy to remember his spiritual heritage and to stir up the gift mm -hmm. that was in him through the laying on of Paul's hands. Anointing for ministry. It suggests to me the context that Timothy is going through a low time. Yes. He doesn't feel like he's accomplishing anything. <laughs> Any, anybody ever go through some low times? Oh, yes. Where you just kind of, man, what's the use? You go through low times and, and, uh, you're frustrated and you're those times where you feel like I'm not making any difference at all mm -hmm. uh, I you know you feel useless and worthless and am I the only one who feels like that sometimes no, not. You know. uh, from the gist of the context of what Paul's writing Paul says hey I'm praying for you night and day day and night what do you say night and day I'm praying for you. And I know your tears. I know you're going through some. But I want to be filled with joy when I think about you, when I pray for you. It hurts me to see you weeping over these things. Mm -hmm. How many of you are, you're all right in a situation until you see somebody else crying about it? Anybody like that? You know, just you know, you were you were hanging in there fine until somebody broke down, and then, and then you're you know uh, you're. I'm getting nods. Is that true? Yes. Do you have that happen? Yes. Where uh, you know somebody can say something, and, and then they start crying, and oh, you, you 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 start being in tears. Paul wants not to have that feeling when he's praying for him. He wants his joy to be filled up again. Because in the previous letter, he talked about that he prays with great joy every time he thinks of Timothy. Remember that from last week? Every time he thinks of him. But now, he knows Timothy's going through it. And he's feeling the weight of the pastorate and, and all the different things and he's been brought to tears. And Paul wants to 
encourage him to stir up through the remembering of your heritage of faith and the, that special moment when hands were laid upon Timothy, called him in the ministry. And that's what we want to look at today. Paul says, I'm praying for you continually. He reminds him of his spiritual heritage at a high point, the laying on of Paul's hands upon him mm -hmm. when he was set apart under ministry, a high point. The first principle, prayer principle we want to look at today is this, stirring up the gift within you. There are times when we can be kind of what we say burned out. Yeah. Emotionally low. And you don't need a pep talk. All that does is get you stirred up for a little bit, but it doesn't do anything to really uh, help you. And you, you go off and we need to pray for the stirring up. When we see people going through it and they're discouraged, they're down, they're feeling worthless and hopeless. I'm talking about born again believers yes. who love the Lord. I'm not talking about people that are lukewarm, backslidden, and just sitting around. I'm talking about people that are serving the Lord, but they're discouraged. They're, they're, they're down. They're, they're having a, a struggle. And encouraging them to stir up the remembering of those things that can help them fan into flame. Let them spark into flame that, that burning blaze for the Lord. <coughs> the word there that you would stir up the gift of God that was in you. Anasporeo. And it means in the Greek to, to rekindle or to stir up the embers. Uh, how many of you like a good bonfire? Anybody here like a good bonfire? This is the weather for it, isn't it? You know, couldn't do it in the summer. It's too hot. <laughs> But to stir up a good bonfire, we've got a fire pit out back. And I, I'm, I'm going to try and talk Linda into going out this weekend and lighting up a fire in, the, in there. And uh, Remember the days, any of you ever go camping and have a campfire and oh, yeah. sit around that? Yeah. Big Prairie, that was, uh, that was our big time. Did you ever make it to Big Prairie? You were at Big Prairie. Yeah. You weren't at Big Prairie? No, my girls um, went to camp there one year, but that yeah. was it. Well, at Big Prairie Camp, uh, that was our previous camp in the assemblies here in the state, we had whole groups of people camping together, and after the evening service uh, on family camp, we would all gather around the campfire and, and kid around and cook s'mores and, and hot dogs and, and uh, all kinds of things. And uh, Linda loved, my wife Linda loved, the campfire, we called her the pyromaniac. <laughs> we called Linda the pyromaniac because she we, we had gotten her a metal a metal stick, a metal prod, and she would just keep those things going 
You know, because sometimes you get the fire going and it's really nice and then it just kind of goes down. Not to Linda. Pushing them around and scooping out the, the ashes and putting some fresh fuel in there. And pretty soon you were cooking again. You know, you were, you were cooking. And that's what this word is talking about. It's not restarting the fire, but rekindling it, just fueling it and stirring up the embers so that they get going. Can any of you remember a bonfire that you just really enjoyed? Anybody remember having a bonfire? Sure. Was it a little puny little thing about the size of a candle or was it, was it larger than that? <laughs> it gave light and heat and if you ever were like us, we just sit around sometimes just watch the fire. Mm -hmm. You know, it just kind of intoxicating. Oh, yeah. Watch the fire. Yeah. And uh, it would start going low, Linda would get up, you know. <laughs> or she'd say, Ken, would you put some more stuff on there? That's how it happens sometimes too. Uh, there's sometimes we need to rekindle the fire yes, we do. in our spiritual lives. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about cheerleading and trying to you know, get people up with emotion. Now, that only lasts for so long. That's, mm -hmm. How many of you ever put uh, uh, lighter fluid on a fire? Yes. And get that thing but how long does it last? Not very long. About 15 seconds. Yeah, it, it just, it, it looks good there for a minute. But there's nothing lasting to keep the fire going. It's a flash. It's a, it's a good show, but I was out trying to cut down some branches of a tree in the yard. And I let them dry out, and, and so I said, now's the time. While I'm doing some yard work, I'm just going to light those things up. Mm -hmm. And so I, I got my little fire pit there, and I put those branches in there, and I got out my what I call my go juice. I got some lighter fluid out, and I got it all over there. And then uh, I made the mistake of lighting it a little bit too close. And, and uh, got, it, got it going. But I had not allowed those branches to dry quite enough. About 15 seconds into this massive, there's not a flame to be seen. Not a flame to be seen. Well, where did all that flame go? Well, that's like raw emotion. Get people. Uh, you know, uh, Carissa's cheerleading coach for the Little Eagles cheerleaders at Grove City. And uh, we try and make it to all the games where they're cheering. And they have one, they have several cheers that I, I, I'm confused by. You know, I'm not that swift. When they spell things in a cheer, mm -hmm. I, I, I have trouble keeping up. I just, I just don't say. We've got spirit. S P I R E T. But they got one 
where you, it's audience participation. Let's get fired up. Super fired up. And they'll, they'll cheer their little hearts out. And the crowd is, yeah! And then we sit on our hands <laughs> until the next cheer comes up. Uh, we're not talking about raw emotion here. Stirring the embers of a real fire. Can you think of times when God met you in a special way and you just look back upon that and stir it up a little bit. Some pivotal times in your life where God seemed closer or you saw God do something great or maybe it was the point of salvation or the salvation of a loved one. Uh, when the word of God just came alive and, and you were witnessing God do supernatural things, the Holy Spirit moving in a special way. Paul is encouraging Timothy to remember. What's he encouraging him first to remember in this portion of Scripture? His gift. Uh, before his that? Grandmother. And his grandmother and his mom. He says, I want to call to your remembrance. Mm -hmm. Your mom, your mother, and your grandmother. Mm -hmm. They were people of faith. They, they had a, a faith in God. How many of you have some, some relatives that or individuals, uh, maybe they weren't a relative, but they were in your church, but you looked up to them and you remember how fervent on fire for God they were. Yeah. My mother. Your mother. On fire for God. And Paul's encouraging you to think back to his mother and his grandmother, mm -hmm. that he has a spiritual heritage. Who can think of some others that you look at them and they were on fire for God? And encourage, yeah. Well, no, I had a, a great friend, Alta, and she was, uh, I think she was like 109 when she died, but she was deaf. And she was the only one in the family that I ever knew of that went to church that wasn't Catholic. But I would go to church third on Sunday sometimes. This one Sunday, she took me to the altar, and mm -hmm. I got saved that day. Praise God. And she's the only person in my family, like I said, that mm -hmm. went to church, and she went, she had to walk. So when you see somebody, he's stirring up the remembrance of people that Timothy knew that were on fire. Mm -hmm. That's good. And getting him off of thinking about his situation, whatever's making him cry, whatever's bringing him to tears, and remember the unfeigned. What does unfeigned mean? Any other translations there? Unfeigned faith. What? Where, what verse is that? Genuine. Genuine. Yeah, that's what I said. The genuine faith, un, unfeigned. Oh, she says unfrenched. Unfrenched? Un what? Unfrenched. Unfrenched. Unfeigned. Oh, 
It's unfeigned. Feigned, unfeigned. It means it's the real deal. Okay, it's not fake. It's not put on. It's not somebody acting like. He says your mother and your grandmother had the real deal. It wasn't fake. It wasn't just for show. Have you ever known anybody? Don't give me any names here. Anybody that that. Uh, it was a show. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they acted like they were all righteous and everything until nobody was watching and then they acted differently. Mm -hmm. That's not the real deal. Right. Paul is encouraging him. As a pastor, he sees it all. Timothy sees it all. And it can get discouraging when people sure. of faith don't act like people of faith. Yes. And so he said, I want you to think back to two people you know of that had the real deal. They were saved. They were on fire for God. What are some other people that you think back of that were on fire that blessed you? I had a lovely, at a church I attended, Stella Martin. And I'm telling you, she was an angel. She lived across the street from these people that always got drunk and everything. They got drunk. They tore her mailbox down all the time. She never said anything. She just prayed. And the guy that did it, he said, you know, there wasn't a woman that walked in. She led her as good as that lady. Mm -hmm. yeah. She, she had a witness. God. She was on fire God. for God. We look back at people like, how many of you remember uh, going to a Billy Graham crusade? Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Oh my, my, my. Somebody else, somebody that you look back on as being on fire for God. Yes. Yeah. My grandmother, my dad's mom. Sometimes when I'd stay there, I'd look, I couldn't find her. She'd be in the bathroom sitting on the remote praying. <laughs> you know, or she'd be at the table praying. Her Bible was always out on the kitchen table, you know. And things that she said come back to me as a little girl, like, if someone took something from her or something, she'd say, if they can get to heaven with it, I can get there without it. <laughs> you know, she just had the neatest things that come back to me that she said. But she, you know, was a true woman of faith. Remembering people who had the real deal, on fire kind of faith, can help us. Think of any others, any in your life or that, uh, yes. My mom. Your mother? Yes. Uh, he's in a village. When I have uh, trains, I brought them to village, to city, to help me. When uh, they come to our house, he listen, she listens to radio, watch TV, and they uh, see the people uh, gospel, preaching. That's where they come, and she comes. Christian. Mm -hmm. Praise God. So, um, when I got to this country, she's still going to church. And uh, when uh, he's, she's sick, and uh, she don't want anything traditional to help him to feel okay, she said, mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, she doesn't want her. I'm like, what? 
What kind of affair is this? So I told my sister to leave him alone. So because of why she passed away, I like it quite fair. The way he was before she changed to Christ, I don't believe he's going to come that way. I mm. love her faith. Looking back at people of faith, I remember uh, my mom, uh, as I said earlier, she would, she knew the Bible. And uh, we had devotions in the house and, and uh, we, we would, uh, we took our pattern, me and my two brothers, we took our pattern after the way mom was. Mm -hmm. uh, Dad was not saved. And, but mom, different occasions, she'd walk right up to him. He's a big steel worker at Timken. And she said, Elwood, don't you cross me on this. Don't you cross me on this. Those boys, those boys are going to be raised in church. Dad didn't cross me. And uh, so all three boys in the ministry and serving the Lord and our families and those kind of things, that's a heritage. Yes. It's a heritage. Yes, it's when you think back, it stirs up. It <coughs> puts in the flame. Can you think of some others? I don't want to occupy it with my stories. I wanted, I said, you know, the class is, the class is yours today. Uh, remembering high points and powerful moments, Paul encouraged him to remember when we draw from these things, those times can stir up the flame. It's there, but sometimes we get discouraged. And we're brought to tears. And sometimes, I'm not saying you stay back there and live in the past, but you use the remembrance of those things to stir up the flame. What is anybody else? Some, some individuals or situations. What about this verse in 16 where Paul said give mercy to the house of uh, Where are you at? Second Timothy. Yeah, but we're not there. I, I'm bringing up a Well, don't, don't, don't get there. We're, we're on this right now, okay? Okay? We're not there. I was trying to bring up an example. Okay, well, what is it? <laughs> I don't have it no, in front of no, me. No, tell her about, about this house, but give her refreshing to him. Right. Okay. So, you know, individuals that are refreshing to you. In other words, even Paul had people that when he looked on, it made right. him sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even yeah. though I am ahead of you, trying to bring a point across. Well, I, I'm just—I don't have that in front of me. Is the reason I couldn't respond to it. I—I I, I type out my message, my Bible study, and all I have is through verse seven. Down here. That's all I got. And so when you say, what about verse 16? I don't know about verse 16. I can 
I can I can find one of my Bibles and look it up. I just you know you're throwing me a a curveball and I've never been able to hit one of those. I, they strike me out every time when I try to hit a curveball. Well, I am so sorry. No problem, no problem. But I'll you, have, you have to you have to give me more. Uh, in verse 16 it says that in that, that, and then. Well, I, but you were you were saying what what about verse sixteen? I said I don't know. I don't, I don't have a committed to memory yet. You but know. we was talking about people that and books. Yeah. This was Paul. Right. When he thought about it, yeah. made him refresh him. Right. Well, you know, pet me here sometimes. Okay, somebody else. This view in this Bible study class has refreshed me so many times. When the Lord knew that I needed that, and I was going to need it. Praise God. Praise God. Those special times. So she she said she said so many things that you say or you teach upon or even in Sunday services you refresh me a lot. Um, praise God. Praise you God. are my great great aunt. <laughs> praise God. Yes. I have another one. I have <laughs> Pastor. I have you because I know you was with me when my husband was in the hospital. He was with me while I tried to show him my love in the hospital. So that's a memory and encouragement I'll always remember. Yeah, it's the Lord gives us the ability to remember so that we can not dwell in the past, but use the past to stir up, fan into flame that which is there. Because the enemy, Satan wants to tell you, well, you've lost it, you're, you're a mess. You're just a mess. Yes. And Paul is saying, Tim, you're not a mess. You're going through something. I'll tell you what. I want you to remember your mom. And when he starts thinking about his mom and his grandma yes. and how people of faith they were yes. and how that they had the, the real deal you can get your eyes off of those who don't have the real deal and onto some who do. Yes. When I was first saved, I went to this Pentecostal church, and I believe the Lord led me there, and um, it seemed like I was there for a month or so, and even the pastor and his wife and people in the congregation was coming up and be saying, you should be prophesying by now. You should be speaking in tongues and all this stuff, and I... I just couldn't take it, so I went home, and I ran up to my bedroom and got on my knees, and I was really crying and praying, and, and I was telling the Lord, I said, I don't want to do what everybody else wants me to do. I only want to do what you want me to do. And I heard a voice in me say, you are accepted in the beloved. And that, everything changed. It's like, I was accepted just as I was at that time, you know, and God wanted me to know that. And that put such peace in my heart, you know, that, and don't worry about what everyone else is telling you you should be doing. You give 
get your own relationship with him, and then little by little, he'll show you what to do and mold you right. into what he wants. Mm -hmm. So that's those things, as we remember, how long has it been since you thought of that? And it comes back to me. And it comes right back, doesn't it? At least four And years. you got a, get a, mm -hmm. a, a real, you got excited about it, didn't you? Yes. God allows us yes. to go back to some of these things, especially when we're going through times of discouragement mm -hmm. and we're feeling worthless and lousy and everything else. Not to stay there. We don't live in the past. That's a problem if you try to do that. But we can utilize some victorious places from the past to help us make it through. Timothy maybe was having problems with, with people in the church that didn't have a genuine faith. And he said, and Paul says, I want you to remember your mom and your grandma. Get your eyes off of the jerks and on to the just and righteous. Yeah. Even though my dad was not a Christian, my mom was. That was since I was little. We, we used to go to the Latin church in Brooklyn. And when we were little girls, me and my other two sisters, would be up front singing in the church. And the church I used to go to, sometimes they used to have like an all-night service. Mm -hmm. It used to have a name, I don't know how to say it in English, Vigilia, which is an all-night service. It was a prayer service. My mom would take us to that, and we would just sleep in the church while everybody in there would be praying and singing. They would just have like hot chocolate and different things for an all-night service. But I always remember that. And so mm -hmm. I grew up with my mom being a good Christian. My dad was not, but he never stopped her from going to church. But at the end, when he was in his deathbed, he accepted the Lord, Praise and God. he did get saved. Praise God. But yeah. Yeah, those, those and, and it's so important to stress this, and I'm gonna stress it numerous times. We don't live in the past. What happens if we try to live in the past. It can be discouraging. Oh, yeah, well, you, you really can't. You're, you're not the same person, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, well, I remember when when church used to be like this. Well, you live in that, and you're always going to be discouraged. Mm -hmm. As a pastor, I get discouraged when I think of, of, it used to be, there was nothing else going on with church, okay? Mm -hmm. And so people would come out to it. Now, there's so many things going on that people uh, pick and choose and say, well, I, I won't be able to be in church because I got this, 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 this. My, the way I was raised, there wasn't anything else going on if you missed church. Me too. You know, my mom would tell us, you know, I would try and get out of going to church. Little Kenny tried to fake it out. I never tried to get out of going to school because I knew the punishment for that was terrible. You could do absolutely nothing, you know. So I didn't want to do that. I, but then I tried to fake out and say, you know, I, 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 <laughs> I'm not feeling good. I don't think I could go to church. And mom would say, okay, you feel that you're too sick to go to church? Well, you're too sick 
to be any place but in your bed. And you're too sick to read anything or listen to anything or watch anything. And if you're too sick to go to church, you probably don't need anything to eat because you don't need strength. So you're just going to sit there all day in your bed and do absolutely nothing. Okay, I think I'll go to church. I think, you know, because uh, Mom, made, she, she made it a priority. And uh, so remembering when things used to be different can encourage us. If we see people that don't have a genuine faith, remember some who did. Yeah. It's easy to find fault. Mm -hmm. But Paul is saying, before you find fault, why don't you find some good examples of what it's supposed to be like? Yes, that's, that's good. Yeah, when, when I get discouraged and, and think about people who, who just don't want to do anything for the Lord or be committed to the Lord, I remember my mom. Nothing stopped mom. Mom was, was in her late 80s and still lived alone and she, uh, she couldn't drive anymore. That was a, a common thing that we had to take care of, me and my brothers. The keys had to be removed because she was still going to church, driving on her own and making home visits to the to the elderly of the shut-ins. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was my mom. She said, well, you know, if you, if you don't visit the elderly, I says, Mom, you are the elderly. Oh, yeah. You know. And so you know what she did? She started a letter ministry. She, she made cards up. She would call the church, her church, and ask who the shut-ins were, who was having a surgery, surgery or in a rehab center or whatever, and every one of them, every last one of them got a card from mom. And not just a card, but a note inside the card with some scripture. She had that ministry. And then when she, she finally got to the place she had to go to a, a, a nursing center, she kept that ministry up even from being enclosed herself in a nursing facility. Wonderful. That's my spiritual heritage. That's when right. I get kind of weary and discouraged, I think, what would mom do? Mm -hmm. Mom would smack me upside the head and say, get out of your pity party and start doing what you're supposed to do. It's not what you want to hear, right? Because we like our, how many of you like a good pity party every once in a while? Oh, everyone, oh, you poor thing. Mom didn't give any pity parties. Anybody else, some, some people or ministries or whatever that um, you look back and it can stir up your faith. Yeah. We went to a church, apostolic church on Union Road, and there was a dear old saint uh, we visited once in a while. And the thing was that if I, she did 
didn't say a whole lot, but that very presence of the Holy Ghost, you could tell, and he was, after we'd leave her house, you was really encouraged to the Lord, just by her presence. Yeah. I've told you before about a gentleman, his name was John. I cannot recall his last name at this point. Sometimes when you get older, you forget things. You know, I know you're not that old yet. But, uh, but John, I was the pastor. I started, my first pastorate was in southern Ohio, uh, south of Hillsboro, at uh, uh, United Methodist Church. But there were three of them. There was Saunders Chapel, Sugar Tree Ridge, and uh, Fairfax. And every Sunday morning, I had 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and 11 o'clock services at the three locations. I had to preach and then get in my, my car and drive. And then we had a central youth service and a central evening service at the bigger church of uh, Sugar Tree Ridge. So I got my preaching practice in early. And uh, uh, in a little village called Marystown, that's where the first church was located, which was Saunders Chapel, 12 people in the church. And uh, when I became the pastor, I, I said, I want to visit some of the, the shut-ins, you know, try and build up the ranks. I said, well, this, this person is, is shut-in, but they, they'll never be able to come to church. Uh, and so they sent me to the house of John, I can't think of his last name. And I went in, knocked on the door, and, and uh, his wife let me in, and she says, I need to explain to you about, about John. And he says, he has crippling rheumatoid arthritis. He was six foot, but he has compacted down to a ball about this size. Like that. And he says, uh, I just want to prepare you for what you're going to see when you walk into his room. And he says, uh, we have a chair on this side and a chair on that side. And, and uh, you can go in and you can talk to him. He's alert. He's aware. And you can go in and uh, he would love to visit with you as often as you can come. He would love, love to, to visit with you. But just so you're aware of what you're going to see. I mean, it was, you know, his hands were gnarled like this and his feet drawn up and, and uh, just skin and bones. And I went in and I looked, and on this wall, there were all kinds of pictures and a world map. And on that side, there's a world map and other pictures. This man, his day was spent in hourly increments where she would turn him so he did not develop bed sores. And when he was turned to this side, this was his prayer wall. And he would look and pray over all the people's pictures there, missionaries and pastors and family, different places in the world. And then she would come, John, it's time to go to the other side and he, she would turn him over and he, he would have a, his prayer wall over there. That was his day. Every day. 
but a more joyful person you'd never meet. Wow. He was joking and kidding around and, and whatever. And, and I remember the first, I introduced myself. I'm, I, you know, I was very formal in those days, just starting out. I'm, I'm Pastor Kenneth Keene. He says, oh, you must be a real keen person. <laughs> Obviously, he didn't know me, did he? But by the end of that, that period of time, I said, how do you, he says, if you bring me a picture in, my wife will put it on the wall, and I'll pray for you every day. Mm. I said, can I bring in two pictures, one for this side and one for the, yeah. <laughs> I look back at that, and I weep <laughs> for joy of the memories of those kind of things. I remember different times, different services I've been in where God moved in such a powerful way. I remember when I was, when I was saved at age 12. I remember we were having revival services at the Methodist Church, 13th in Cleveland, here in Columbus. And me and my buddy, Harry David, went forward and received Jesus as our Savior. Uh, remember when I was called to preach at Camp Syker? Every year I go and revisit the spot at the altar where God called me to preach. And I remember the interview that was just down the street here when I came to be a part of the Assemblies of God uh, at the district offices. I remember a particular service. Uh, I was pastoring up at Painesville Assembly, a huge auditorium, about, about a 900,000 seat auditorium sanctuary. And it was a Sunday evening service. And the Holy Spirit moved in such a way that the entire front of that was lined up with youth. Coming to get saved, filled with the Spirit, and they wanted to be prayed for and anointed. And they were falling under the power of God and, and being filled with the Spirit. And just, it was just one of those unbelievable services. Sometimes when I'm discouraged, I hear the words of Paul. You're discouraged about people. Remember your mom. Mm -hmm. Remember your grandma. They had the real deal kind of faith. And remember when I came by and I laid hands upon you and the Holy Spirit separated you to be a minister of the gospel? Remember that. Yes. And then stir up the gift that's in you. Yes, sir. It was put there when my hands were laid upon you. Why is it so important to do that? It's important to pray for others that are going through difficult times. People in ministry especially that are going through challenging times. To pray for them because the enemy wants to discourage and wants you to just lose heart. And not just people in ministry, but people, believers that are going through struggles, 
for them to go back and remember and stir up the gift that is on the inside. Why is it so important to do that? Why was it important for Paul to tell Timothy to do that? Again, this is your class, if you don't say anything. Because I'll have to talk. Because if you, do, if you don't, the flesh is always combating. Combating. Combating with the, the Holy Ghost within you. So it's, it's a constant battle. A churning battle going on. It's just like yesterday they showed the, the soldiers in Israel singing the anthem. Now, that when they were just singing that, I could feel something deep down within me stir when they were singing that. It, uh, you know, I've, I've told this many, too many times, I'm sure, but sometimes I need to stir up the remembrances. Um, the very first time, my, my congregation from uh, Reynoldsburg, East Haiti Assembly of God, uh, sent Linda and I for my very first trip to Israel. They did it for Pastor Appreciation Day and, and uh, sent us over there. And I'd always wanted to go, just never hadn't had it happen. So we were, Linda was a little nervous. She'd never flown in a plane before. <laughs> And her first trip was all the way over to Israel. <laughs> but uh, she, she loved it. And we, we got off the plane and we went and went through customs and, you know, we're tired. We're, you know, all charged up. We're in Israel and, and good to go. And we went out and got our luggage. We went out and they put our bags on the bus. And then I was sitting in the, in the second row I, it's like yesterday. I'm sitting in the second row. And Jacob, our guide, he turns around, and he's about this far away from me, and he, he just says this. And he turns around and says, Welcome home. Says what? Welcome home. Oh, all right. And everybody on the bus, we just broke into tears. The place we read about and studied about and thought about. Yeah. And that's the reason when things like that are going on over there, that's part of my home mm -hmm. and my people. And uh, it stirs us up to pray even more and to, yes. to do what yes. we need to do. So Paul's trying to reach this young pastor who's going through a hard time. We don't know exactly what it was. But from the context, it seems, he's being let down mm -hmm. by some of the people in the church there at Ephesus. They're calling themselves Christians and they're acting like a bunch of heathens. They're, they're calling themselves Christians and they're doing unchristian things. That's disturbing, isn't it? Yes. Isn't it? Yes. Am I the only one that bothers? And he's, he's discouraged. 
He says, here, I, I preach every week. I, I teach the word. I try to be a good example. I'm trying. And look at the way, obviously, my preaching is not doing a thing. I'm not, I, I might as well give up because there's nothing's happening. Look at them. Uh, they've been in here the whole time and they're getting worse. And he, Paul can hear the tears in the message he's gotten from Timothy. And he said, Timothy, I want you to know, first of all, I'm praying for you. Mm -hmm. Night and day. And I think the reason he says night and day, not day and night, is because doesn't don't things get worse at night yes. for you? Yes. yes. Aren't things worse at night? I don't yes. know about yes. your yes. life, but mine. If you have a cold, when's the worst time for your cold? Night. When you try to go to bed, yeah. you can't breathe, and you, and you, you know, just, you know, you're cradling a jar of Vicks, you know, and, and try to breathe. And Linda was up most of the night last night trying to breathe. But uh, it's at night, in those dark times. You say, I wish it would just be morning. I'll get up, I'll get going. But no, it's night, and you just got to kind of hang out. How many of you know those kind of nights where every hour on the hour you wake up? Because your mind is just... And so he wants Timothy to know, I'm praying for you continually. Night and day. Praise God. And you know, I'm going to let you know what I'm praying for you. I want you to remember your mama. I want you to remember the godly woman she was and her faith. Go back. Remember how that she operated in genuine faith your whole life. And then when you're done looking at your mom, look at your grandma. Mm -hmm. And how faithful she was. And she had a genuine faith. And he says, and then I want you to remember, Timothy, you remember when I, I came by Lystra and you came and wanted prayer and I laid my hands on you. And the Holy Spirit set you apart to be a minister of the gospel. Do you remember that, Timothy? I want you to think about those things and stir up, rekindle, move those embers around until the flame starts going up. And, 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 your, and your tears are going to be dried because you remember there are real Christians out there. And there are moments that God touches us in super special ways. And, and you may feel kind of spiritually numb right now. Fire will change all that. He's not trying to cheer him on. He's like, Let's get fired up. No, he's not trying to do that. His cheering just only lasts so far. But when you stir up memories, deep memories that are there, and just like when Becky, those of you that turned around and saw when Becky was talking about the the one individual who would leave her Bible open and say different things. It was as if you were right there. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yes. 
and your voice got louder and more intense and you started remembering other things she'd said that's what can happen if you're going through it today or you see somebody else that is just kind of pray remind them to go back to some of those places oh you don't live there no but it's okay to visit it's okay to visit. You have permission to go visit there. As long as you don't stay too long. You, you visit there and you become, the fire gets led to the pyromaniac and stirring those, those coals up. We're putting on some fresh fuel and seeing God move. Because we all go through those times. We need to pray for those that are going through those times. Mm -hmm. And we need to pray and remember what can help us get out of that. Yes. And get through that. Because we're all going to go. Is there anybody here who has never faced a time when you're down and discouraged? We want to chat with you if, you have, if you're there. We really do. Paul would probably like to have a chat with you. Yes. Because he was discouraged on occasion. The, the importance of remembering true people of faith and godly people and remembering times that God touched your life. Any of you here have a time when, when you know that you know that you know that God healed you? You know that Sometimes it's good to visit those times. And remember. One last story. I told you the class was yours, but you weren't talking much. But, but uh, one last story. I was uh, going to start that church in Oxford, Ohio. And uh, I've never started a church before. I only visited Assembly of God churches. I had just recently gotten my credentials in the Assemblies of God. I pastored Methodist churches. And uh, I was going all over the state of Ohio raising funds, preaching in different churches to raise funds so I could start the church in Oxford. And uh, somehow in the course of going all over Ohio, and eating in less than favorable restaurants, I, after being there for only a month or so, I contracted hepatitis. Oh. And uh, I was yellow, more yellow than this shirt. And I had no strength. I couldn't lift my head up. Uh, Linda carted me up. We were we stayed with with her mother up in Columbus here and I'm laying on the couch and it's approaching Sunday and so I have Linda call the district office to let him know Kenny can't preach this Sunday I just started this place <laughs> we're having the services in my house so far so she calls at the district office and they took me out to a chair in the, in the dining room, a 
discipline. I, I'm reliving it right now. They put me in a chair that had arms on it. And Linda's over here holding the phone up to my head because I can't even lift my hand. I am just totally wiped out. And so I get on the line with Brother Parsons, the district superintendent. I said, Brother Parsons, this is Ken Keene. Oh, Brother Keene, how's it going? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, I'm very ill. The doctor says I have hepatitis. Now, the doctor that I'd gone to had said, you're going to be out for about three months. Oh. And he says, oh, do you need us to send somebody down there? He says, How many weeks you anticipate being out? And, and I have no clue where this came from <laughs> other than the Lord. I said, well, if you could just get somebody to fill in for me this week, I should be back. He said, are you sure? I said, yeah. My mother-in-law walks out of the room. She says, he's lost. He's totally lost. <laughs> and Linda's just staring at me. I can't even hold the phone up. You know? <laughs> Within one week, the Lord had touched me. And I've never missed another service in 50 years due to sickness. Wow. Now, have I been sick? Yes. But I've never missed another service because I may need to be carried out in a stretcher after I'm done, but I've never missed another service. I remember, though, sometimes when I'm very discouraged. God's healing power. Yes. I want to tell you a story of what you did. I called you one night, one long after I started this church. And I, I had been told that, for whatever reason, my apartment would be in case I was scared. So I called you and asked the pastor, would you pray for me? Because I was scared. You prayed a prayer over me, over my apartment, over everything that pertained to me in my life. This I will never forget as long as I live. I slept good that night. I got up at 6 in the morning. It was in the dead of winter. Snow was everywhere. I got up to go to school at 6 o'clock in the morning. I had to clean off my truck because it was full of snow covered. And I had two, truck, had two trucks at the time. So I cleaned off the windshield of my Bronco. And I went to the back to clean off the back window. And on the back window, was a cross hmm. and a J. Hmm. And that was verification for me that your prayer got answered. Hmm. Praise God. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And it was on the back of both of my trucks. Wow. Praise and God. I'll never forget it. Praise God. Well, how many of you could use a good stirring up of the embers? Yes. Amen. Yes. Yes. It's time to take a trip back to some of those places. They may not be way far back. Maybe God's done something recently that can stir up those things. Uh, but let me encourage you to find somebody this week to pray for in this regard. Ask the Holy Spirit to point you to somebody who's discouraged, that's overwhelmed, to pray for them for the stirring up 
of the fire in your heart and life, in their heart and life. Prayer request today. We want to pray, of course, for Israel and for what's going on over there. The, the atrocious news of beheading of babies and uh, it just you know even if Israel were the worst people on the planet nobody deserves treatment like that that's that's Holocaust type of treatment never seen the leadership in the United States our leadership here to get on board and be a real ally to Israel we need to pray. Uh, there are uh, innocents on both sides, but uh, there are uh, Palestinians who are not supportive of Hamas, and Hamas store their weaponry in their homes so that, uh, that they would, would pray that they'd get out of there and that the Palestinian people would rise up and evict the Hamas. And uh, get on the same page. Uh, other prayer requests today. Yes. What? A while back, I prayed uh, A while back, uh, I requested prayer for my niece. She had been not involved with God, and she ended up in um, wherever I can't think of it. She ended up in jail anyway. She uh, got out of jail. She came back to Columbus, and she recently been saved. Praise God. Amen. She's never been before. And she's getting baptized on the 22nd. Praise God. No. Um, some of you are aware of this situation. I won't go into a lot of detail. But uh, currently, uh, Carissa and Gary are taking over the care of his two nieces, his niece and nephew. Uh, their mother is in jail. Their stepfather is in jail, facing felony charges, all kinds of things going on. The hearing uh, about the mother is this Friday. And uh, so they need some clarity so they can try to raise these kids and uh, get them out of a horrific situation of drugs and alcohol and uh, the one little boy knows where the gun, the loaded gun is kept in the kitchen drawer. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that just, and uh, so there, you know, she is worn, Carissa's worn out. And uh, keeping on top of all the different things that she's involved with here and cheerleading and and uh, at home now, and uh, all she does is dream about laundry. So, uh, so be praying for that whole scenario. They're more than willing to take the kids in, but they just need to get some clarification on it. Other prayer requests today? Yes. Uh, Pastor Mike Moore. Mm -hmm. He's been having terrible trouble with his back. So I think it, they, they're going to somehow block those nerves. Okay, spinal block. Yeah. So he needs prayer. Okay, Mike Moore. Pastor Mike Moore. 
Other prayer requests. Unsaved loved ones. Yes. Yes. For Jordan and Julia and the team that they went to Honduras. Yeah, missions team yes. from Faith Assembly is in Honduras today. Youth group. And for Jackie and I as we take care of And you're taking care of the Those are interesting roles, yes. Right now, all we do is watch our granddog most of the time. Let's, 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 yeah. Also remember, all those people in Israel don't know where their children are. And, you know, it's a terrible, terrible. The hostages and, and uh, need to pray. Well, let's, let's go to prayer right now. Can we have several lead us out of the word prayer this morning? I'll close in just a little bit. Mighty Jesus, we truly thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for the word, for surely it is a lamp unto our feet. I ask you, look at now, on the man of God, touch him, put probably his head upon his feet, look down upon his good wife, the wife of the household, look down on his daughter, Lord, help her and her husband. Yes. Time of need, Lord, yes. guidance, Lord. Look down on my brothers and sisters, Lord, in this land and the land of Israel, Lord. So many people over in Israel are suffering, Lord, and they don't know where the children are at. But you, you are the one. You are the one that can, can stay. You are the one. You are the rock that we can stand on this time of need. We lache, Taro Kote, Naroja Taro Kutsari, Nayo Tote Sekemo. Thank you, thank you, thank you. When time starts low, we can look upon you, Lord. Brother, the many, many prayers are going before thee, Lord, but we give you all praise. All the guidance and all the love in that precious name, the name of all the names, we give you praise, glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord, we just lift up our unsaved loved ones for us. There's nothing, it says in your word, there's nothing yes. too hard for you. And, mm -hmm. and Lord, I just pray that you would remove from them a heart of stone and put in them a heart of flesh. God, and I pray for um, Jordan and Julia and the team that's in Honduras, Lord, that your, that your word would go forth unhindered, God. Lord, I just pray a hedge of protection right <laughs>
to the world. It's a revolution. It hasn't been seen in 2,000 years. God has raised up this ministry of One for Israel for such a time as this. I would encourage you to support the ministry as they bring the good news of Messiah Jesus to a very dark and needy world. I'm One for Israel.